Hi again, everybody. Tom Oglesby. Colleen Pasnick. We're back in the saddle. We are back in the... You forgot to say moms and dads, boys and girls. Moms and dads, boys and girls. Okay, we should explain to everybody that you've been on vacation for a month, and so if we're a little rusty... Or foggy. Or foggy on this episode, they're going to have to be patient with us. Episode number 90 of The Chatter. It's brought to you by Hotworks, Melissa Knoll, and the crew out at 2055 Holiday Drive. Stop by and say hello. And we're going to meet our guest right after we begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Remember, O oh, most gracious, gracious Virgin, Virgin Mary, Mary that, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, protection implored thy help, or sought thy intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions. But in, in thy, thy mercy, mercy hear yeah. and answer me. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, we haven't recorded since before Memorial Day, so our excuse was we really needed a break. <laughs> and so <laughs> we were fuzzy then. And now we come back after a month, yep. and we're fuzzy because we're, we're rusty. Fuzzy, yeah. We're rusty. We're well rested. So it swings both ways. It does. But, so I hope everyone enjoyed the repeats for the past month. <laughs> I sure that hope so. We're running. I sure hope so. Our guest is Catherine Fishlock from out Cincinnati Way. Catherine, say hello. Hello, everybody. I'm happy to be here. Now, some people might recognize your voice, Catherine, because you've been a frequent guest on the Sunrise Morning Show, Anna Mitchell, and you sound like big buddies out there, and I always catch that. <laughs> what Are you on, what, once a month, a couple times a month? Um, I'm actually pretty much every Friday morning. Sometimes, I, you know, I need a break or... You know, she's got to run a different segment. But, yeah, more or less, it's every Friday morning. And so my response was, I told Colleen, I said, we got to get Catherine Fishlock on here. And uh, she says, who? Because <laughs> Colleen's not up, not that up that early. She, she's not up that <laughs> early here. So tell everybody who Catherine Fishlock is. Well, I live in Cincinnati, Ohio, although I am a transplant from central New York. Um, I would have to say that I... Um, what I think of as most important is my life is that I am a Catholic wife and mother who happens to be a professional singer. Uh, concert work and opera was really what I started out doing. Um, mm -hmm. Received all of my education in music performance um, with an intent to be a performer. Uh, but as a serious Catholic and having four children, I was basically kind of moved by just the, you know, the happenings in my life to um, get more and more into church music and to sacred music, which I'd, I never really had any intention of doing. Um, much of the music of the last 50 years in the, the modern church has, well, it's not very satisfying musically. Um, just from a musician's perspective, but also um, I found that in many cases it was mm, objectionable. Hmm. And so I, um, I was singing in my parish and I uh, was offered a, um, a position as the voice teacher for the Dominican novitiate of the Eastern Province, which is the province of St. Joseph, and mm -hmm. happens to be um, at my home parish at St. Gertrude's in Cincinnati. So I started teaching these young men each year, and it fell to me to teach them how to chant, to teach them how to 
um, just produce a beautiful tone. Many of them, you know, coming from all walks of life, had no prior experience or understanding or ability to sing. And um, so I, I had to learn quickly, wow, I need to work with a whole body of young men who have no background. They know no language. They might have, you know, had wonderful educations, but they were not musicians. So I also had to learn how to read chant notation, which in music school, you don't really learn unless you are specifically focused on early music, which I wasn't. So it was a great learning. It was a gift from God, basically, that put me in a position to have to learn a lot. And um, the more I did it, I felt more and more committed to helping mm-hmm. h- help people understand the great loss that we had experienced in church music. And uh, being involved in the homeschool community, I began a, a scola for homeschool kids and their families. Basically, it was open to moms, dads, and to children. So, Catherine, can and, you can you tell uh, the listeners what is a scola? Yes. So, scola is simply the Latin word for school. And in the time of Pope St. Gregory the Great, from from whom we take the name Gregorian chant, mm-hmm. um, it was he determined that it was critical that every main cathedral and the larger churches had schools of singing, and that was called a scola cantorum. Oh. And, and that was that in the was uh, in every cathedral? Yes. Wow. And that was that was after the time that Pope Gregory um, kind of uh, codified and organized the chants of the church. Because at that time there were, you know, there wasn't instant communication. There weren't recordings. So you would have one monastery c- composing their own, their melodies and another monastery 500 miles away. Their tunes were evolving and being composed. And so there were lots and lots of different styles of chant. And Pope Gregory decided that... So we're talking the 5th and 6th centuries? Right, right. So this was long before any of it was actually being written down. This was all still an oral tradition. Because we don't have notation until like the late 900s. But he decided, you know, it's important for the Roman church to have their own music. And so this is why it's called Gregorian chant. Because he said, these are the chants that the Roman church will use. And th- and these were and these were codified in some way or, or yeah, established. Yeah, basically. I mean, this is this is now what we have in the book called the Liber Usualis, which just means the usual book. And so those chanted Latin propers that are in that book, those are the ones that you know have been with us for centuries upon centuries, and it was a way of basically another stamp of universality on this, on, you know, this new Christian faith. Hmm. Um, So anyway, um, there, this scola that I started, it was named after the Blessed Mother because I always felt that she kind of helped me along with it. It was the Regina Celi Scola Contorum, so Queen of Heaven School of Singing. And we existed for about seven years, and we sang mm-hmm. lots of special event masses around the diocese. We sang lots of First Friday masses, and it was a wonderful way for families to be good Catholic families who s- knew nothing about good Catholic 
sacred music. What kind of uh, response or acceptance did you get while you're traveling the uh, archdiocese for that many well, years? Well, you know, it was interesting because by and large, I have found that when children sing, everybody loves it. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't often start the firestorm that chant and Latin can start in other circumstances. But um, most of the time, if we sang for something, it was because we had been invited because people knew what we did. So you were, so, was your scola, did it have children? Like what oh, yeah. age? We were, 20 vo- we were anywhere from 28 to 35 voices at any given wow. time. And what age? And it what was age? mostly kids. We had okay. a few parents because they say they, you know, say you had a mom who was bringing her two daughters and she joined the Scola too. So it was a mix of kids and adults. But um, I started that when my youngest daughter was about eight. So it was, you know, we had from her age all the way up through high school kids and and parents it was a wonderful it was a really a wonderful experience and it exposed a lot of families to some really beautiful music and um sort of an understanding you know it ignited a a fire in a lot of families to say wow this is beautiful and this is this is our heritage and mm-hmm. our kids inheritance we shouldn't lose this mm-hmm. so were the children sight reading uh chant music or, or were they just singing by well i was i was teaching them i was teaching them and of course you know it's a it's an unknown language to most catholics and really to even to lots of professional musicians it's an it's an ancient musical language but um i would teach a little bit at a time you know each week and to be completely forthright i was no chant scholar i had come from music schools that you know, where we worked on Bach and Mozart and Beethoven and not much earlier than that, unless, you know, it was something you were particularly interested in. Um, So I think that it was a learning for me. It was a great opportunity for me to have to dive into this and figure it out and be able to uh, sort of translate it (laughs) and bring it uh, in a very accessible way to Mm -hmm. the students that I was teaching. Now, I'm sure the students had a wide range of singing ability. What is your thoughts? Can anyone learn to sing, or are there some people that it's so hopeless? Um, I'm sorry, Colleen, I didn't hear that last question. I, I just, I'm sure that there's a variety of talent of singers, um, some more talented than others. Um, can anyone learn to sing, or is it hopeless for some people? Well, you know, I've been asked this question a lot, mm-hmm. and um, I really believe that if somebody has the time and the determination to do the work that is necessary to learn learn to build the vocal instrument because it is a musical instrument mm. you know it's just happens to be housed within the human body mm-hmm. and some people definitely have more natural ability mm-hmm. and some people have very little but I have come to believe over my years of teaching that people can learn to match pitch mm-hmm. and at the very least sing 
in unison with other people mm, mm-hmm. if they're all singing the same notes. Mm-hmm. You know, for instance, a chant melody, right? Where mm-hmm. you don't have to, you're not singing in harmonies. Mm-hmm. I've had many novice brothers who could not match pitch to save their lives when they arrived. And if they were willing to work hard enough and do the exercises I gave them, they would be singing with the class by the time they moved on and have become decent, maybe not terrific, but decent singing priests. Well, that's very hopeful because I know some people just say, I can't sing, I can't carry a tune in a bucket, and then they don't even try. So I I kind of wondered if there was any truth to that or if it is a skill that even if you start at zero, you can develop and work on and, and at least become average. Yes. I mean, it takes patience and it takes a certain amount of determination. Mm-hmm. Um, I think especially it's encouraging for the 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 rebirth of the singing priest. <laughs> you know, mm. the, the, the priesthood is a, the singing always was an important part of, yeah, of the sure. liturgy. And um, I think, you know, that really fell off in my lifetime. Certainly when I was growing up, I didn't know any priests that sang. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the, the, that sort of excuse, it's like, well, well, I can't sing. Well, I don't sing anything. That's, um, I think at a certain point, there's, um, there's such a resistance to it that, well, let me put it this way. If it's not important to the person, they're not going to work hard mm-hmm. at improving. So it's kind of like anything. Practice makes perfect. They can If they right. practice, if right. they work or at my, it. My beloved mother, God rest her soul, would say, perfect practice makes perfect. No. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Our guest, our guest is Catherine Fishlock over in Cincinnati. And uh, Catherine, we're right up about 14 minutes into this uh, segment here. And... Um, I promised Colleen that you were going to close out segment one with uh, with a, a song. It's not a song. Is it a hymn? It's a chant. This is a chant, yes. A chant. And, and since you since your scola was named Regina Chaley, maybe you have a Marian hymn for a uh, chant for us. I do actually. I um I would love to sing actually the Dominican oh version of the Salve Regina. Ooh. If that would be good for awesome. you guys, she just got Absolutely. she just got goosebumps I did. here, Catherine. Got a big so. smile on my face, so <laughs> go for it. All right, so here we go. No 
Et Jesum benedictum fructum ventris tui, nobis post hoc exilium ostende. Beautiful. Just beautiful. Thank you. That's Catherine Fishlock from Cincinnati, Ohio, singing Regina Chaley. Isn't that just gorgeous, Colleen? That was beautiful. I've never heard that um, version, that chant before, so thank you very much. That's the uh, end of the first segment, Colleen. We're going to bring Catherine back and talk about the Angelical Project. And um, and don't forget, we're going to talk about uh, twisting her arm to come to Dubuque. Ooh, good. We'll be right back after these announcements on The Chatter, FM 98.3 KCRD. We're back in the studios, Colleen and I, after um, only just a brief time. Just a month vacation. Just a refresher here. Mm -hmm. Catherine Fishlock is with us from Cincinnati, and we're talking about some of the beautiful liturgical music in in the Roman Rite. Mm -hmm. And And as a good teacher, she corrected us that um, it wasn't the Regina Chaley she sang, it was the Salve Regina. And that's what a good teacher would do, is (laughs) gently correct and say, no, it was the Salve Regina. So for all our listeners out there that... Proving once again those Latin guys got a word for everything. (laughs) (laughs) So, thank you, Catherine. So, um, tell us a little bit now. So, we kind of have an idea of your background um, and what you've been doing with the Scola and teaching um, not only the Dominicans uh, to sing, but also kids ages eight years old and up to sing. What are you doing now? And tell us a little bit about the Angelico Project. Yeah, so um, the Angelico Project is, uh, I think it's a wonderful work. It's, um, was, it was inspired by the Sheen Center, which is in New York City, and it is a, a basically it's a center of Catholic culture and thought. And they present different things, you know, art shows and uh, plays and this and that, and it was so. So a couple of actually friends of mine from our parish, Saint Gertrude's, here in Cincinnati, um, encountered this this organization, and they thought, "Wow, we should do something like that in Cincinnati." So about five years ago, they um, they just started talking to people and trying to generate interest. And you know, do you think we could do this? And since you know, Cincinnati is a very Catholic city. Um, they went to the diocese, they spoke to the bishop and, you know, got a certain, um, they, they, they actually were 
getting a lot of positive feedback, a lot of positive reaction. Now, in, here in Cincinnati, there wasn't a property for them to to take on, and so, um, which made it a little little bit difficult because this was sort of a uh, an entity that didn't have any place to put its feet for a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but over the years, we have uh, really gained quite a lot of momentum. And we uh, there's a website if anybody would like to look and see what sorts of things the Angelico Project has been doing. Mm-hmm. If you just Google the Angelico Project, it will come up. Um, there has been a lot of success with things like church architecture tours, for instance, going to the most beautiful churches, maybe three in one sun, one Saturday afternoon, you know, bringing somebody with you who can, who talks about the architecture and explains the, uh, the structure of the building or the beauty of the mosaics or whatever it might happen to be. Um, an opportunity for people also to go into a church that they might not otherwise ever go into mm-hmm. if it's not their parish. Um, also things like art shows for Catholic visual artists, painters, sculptors, um, even in some cases, uh, needleworkers who work on uh, priestly vestments, Mm. things like this, which of course is a dying art because Mm -hmm. we've not had beautiful vestments uh, or certainly not elaborate ones for for quite a while. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So this idea of let's bring back beauty let's just put beauty in front of the people and give them a an an alternative to what's out there in the world which is oftentimes so dark so um ugly in many situations right Mm -hmm. very lacking in often lacking in charity or compassion and certainly in many many situations not godly. Mm-hmm. So the whole premise of kind of rebuilding culture through truth, goodness, and beauty really became um, kind of the MO of the Angelico Project. Like, how can we bring beauty and truth and goodness to people? And you're coming at this with church architecture, with the, the um, I'm, I'm going to say ornate vestments, but is that... Is that a good, Colleen, is that a good uh, description? or? Yeah, I think some of the vestments that she would be talking about would have more embroidery, maybe more design in them than just a, a plain one that you often see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, right. it's, so it's architecture, it's, it's the vestments, it's the, uh, it's the music you're talking about. So is this, is this the extension of the good, the true, the beautiful? Right. Yes, definitely. And I think um, to bring beauty back to the liturgy, not only to the liturgy, but just in terms of, um, you know, well, for instance, say having, uh, you know, book clubs, a book, a, a reading of a book that is uh, something sound and has a deep moral message and has a has substance you know in fact i think right now the angelico project is doing a a dive into dante's inferno Mm. and um things like that so kind of an interdisciplinary approach to all things catholic but with I got to tell you, um, Catherine, when you said a dive into Dante's Inferno, I was just, I went headlong into the seventh chamber of hell. <laughs> <laughs> and he had a flashback to I a was summary Phoenix. Back, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes. But I think, uh, you know, to offer things, I, I mean, we've even done things like, uh, you know, walk through the w- through the woods, you know, come meet at a park and read some poetry together and just experience the beauty of the created world. And um, things like that, that bring people together and oftentimes from different walks of life so that there's a hope of reaching people who maybe have, you know, maybe they've left the faith or maybe they... Um, are searching for something deeper or something that has seems to have more meaning or more direction you know so who's, who's so attracted to the angelical project who, who what what's your what are the stories behind this you're starting it who's coming and and well and i tell you a lot of young people are coming a lot of late 20s early 30s somethings mm-hmm. are coming and uh What's wonderful about some of the things that we're doing is that they are not things that people in that age group ever have heard before. For instance, let's say, uh, so for so like last year, my choir did a program called Ave Maria through the Ages, and it was a it was a concert, but it was. You know, I like to call these those devotional programs because there's not meant, there's never applause, right? It's clear, it's mm-hmm. written in the program. Please don't applaud. We do these we do these in churches, these sorts of um, performances, and it was a from chant all the way setting of the Ave Maria. So it was ten choral settings mm-hmm. of the Ave Maria. So it was like one big song decade of the rosary, basically. Mm. And we had people come to that. Uh, that drew a fairly broad audience. But like the young people that came to that had never heard the chant Ave Maria. Mm-hmm. And didn't have any kind of negative association with it. Like their reaction was, wow, this is so beautiful. I would like more. Where can I find more? How could I learn to sing this? Because they can come to it with kind of fresh eyes. There's no, those of us that grew up immediately after the post-conciliar kind of struggles, you know, in in the 70s and the 80s, um, there's a lot of sort of debate and discussion over what should be done or what can be done or what's the best thing to do. And I think um, with a loss of tradition, we've lost um, a certain sense of, reverence and prayerfulness and and dignity in many situations when it comes to the mass itself and young people come to something and they hear a beautiful chant they hear some beautiful choral pieces from the 16th century and then equally beautiful from our time right now and their first question is how come i've never heard anything like this actually at mass Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i think the best answer for them is well we lost a lot when we stopped using music that carried on with the musical traditions of catholic Mm. music go deeper on that catherine just just with respect to 
you're talking about the lost traditions, uh, what, what we have lost when, when it's not doing it. it, it what's, what's the divide between a lot of this contemporary music that you hear in many liturgies uh, uh, and compare and contrast that to what's going on? I mean, it, it, I'm not the music expert, but it just seems that there are certain things that are not appropriate for a solemn liturgy, the the holy sacrifice of the Mass. What right. say you? Well, I think you're, yes, well, I think that that's a great question, and my, um, my feeling for years and years has been that there's something not quite right that's going on with modern church music, and I think it can be summed up in saying that most modern church music is based on the secular style of pop music. Mm -hmm. So there's, it's it's kind of like, and sometimes people can't understand that, but I think if you use a very simple analogy that say, or comparison, say um, if you hire a polka band for your parish festival, sure, and a disco band shows up, and that's all they play. <laughs> Everybody can clearly hear the difference between those two styles of music. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you were to play Gregorian chant and 16th century polyphony, sung choral music, um, at a cocktail bar, it would clearly not be the appropriate style of music for that setting. Mm-hmm. Right. So if we take music that sounds more stylistically like the music we hear on the radio or the music we might hear in a restaurant or, you know, piped through the speakers at the mall, it's not that that music is objectively bad. It's simply not the right style. It's not of the sound world of Catholic church music, which mm -hmm. is rooted in Gregorian chant. Mm -hmm. That is that is the, the, the chant is the root of all Catholic music. And if you want to go back even further, it's really the cantillation or the, the singing of the psalms in the temple that Jesus would have, would have chanted. So mm -hmm. this predates St. Gregory so, is what you're saying. Right. The psalms in, right. the, in the temple. I mean, this the, is hundreds of years before right. that. Right, right. And, and that's why, I mean, that was the... That's what gave the, gave the, planted the seeds of the Liturgy of the Hours, because the, it was the chanting of the Psalms, because that's what, that's what devout Jews had already been doing. That was their prayer life. And so the, so the Divine Office actually developed before the Mass, because mm -hmm. that was really the way they knew how to pray first. Mm -hmm. And I think so maybe... I think when we diverge... Go ahead. When we diverge from the roots, the actual roots, the, 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 these ancient roots of our sacred musical traditions, we get a little off track and we allow too much of the worldliness of today's music to spill into the liturgy, which is supposed to be a heavenly experience. It's not supposed to be a worldly experience. Mm, it seems like some of the chant music helps you lift your mind to God, whereas some of the more secular music tends to 
um, how do I want to say, almost like stimulate the passions. Like it gets your, you know, get your head bopping in, your feet tapping in your, you know, and it's, and it's almost a, not a distraction, but it's, it doesn't lift your mind to God. You don't like the hip swing? (laughs) (laughs) You know, you hear that stuff on the, like the Beatles, like I cannot, you know, you just... It's yeah. more more hits your emotions, but but when you're in mass, you want to be elevating your mind and your heart to divine things, right, right. And I think um, I think again, you know, the stylistically pop music is it's all emotion based, mm-hmm. right? It is. It's about. Um, you know, I don't know if you, you know we we've all been to masses where you feel like you're. You're more at a at a rock concert than mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. the foot of the cross, mm-hmm. and I th- and I think s- the the associ- part so much of this is the um, the place or the memory that certain music evokes mm-hmm. in the people. Mm-hmm. Oh, that sounds like a Broadway show that I went mm-hmm. to, mm-hmm. and so that's the complete wrong association. We don't want that to happen. At mm-hmm. mass, you know, mm-hmm. we want we want to use music that takes us out of this world mm-hmm. and into the heavenly realm. And so, to use music that you only hear in that realm is what will take us there. Mm-hmm. You know, logically. Mm-hmm. Catherine, um, we're going to talk more about that. Go deeper into. Uh, what you just talked about, and and I want your comments and thoughts on how a generation who never heard that music ever can walk into uh, one of your uh, presentations and and instinctively mm-hmm. know that. But we're we're coming up on the end of the uh, the break in segment two, and um, I promised Colleen you'd do another singing going into the break what do you have for a uh, a hymn a chant all right well i thought that i would sing um one that i think a lot of people will know which is the, the Pange lingua which is a great eucharistic hymn written by saint thomas aquinas um and it's often used if you if any of you attended a corpus christi procession a couple yeah. of weeks ago right. Um, hopefully this is what you sang as you left the church following the Blessed Sacrament. Go ahead. Pange lingua gloriosi corporis mysterium sanguinisque preziosi quem in mundi pretium Fructus ventris generosi, rexe fudit gentium. Nobis datus, nobis natus, ex intacta virgine, et in mundo conversatus, Sparso verbi semine, sui moras ingolatus, miro clausit ordine. In 
zu bremen ob de cene ricum bens cum fratribus observata lege plene cibis in legalibus cibum turbe duodene Sedatu is manibus, verbum caro panem verum, verbo carnem efficit, fit que sanguis Christi merum, et si sensus Ad firmandum consincerum, sola fide sufficit. Amen. Absolutely beautiful. That was Catherine Fishlock singing the pan, you'll have to pronounce it for me. Yes, it's the Panje Lingua, which means sing my tongue. Oh, beautiful. Well, we will be back with segment three right after these announcements. Hi again, everybody. We're back in the studio. This is the the 90th mm-hmm. edition, the 90th episode of The Chatter, brought to you by Hotworks 2055 Holiday Drive here in Dubuque. Stop by and say hello to Melissa and um, do whatever you do at, at Hotworks. What a great place that is out mm-hmm. there, Colleen. Mm-hmm. Catherine Fishlock is our guest. She's from, from Cincinnati. And we're going to get her to Dubuque, Colleen. Uh, That's exciting. You know, I've been listening to what she says, and I did pull up some of the past events uh, that the Angelico Project has had. And the website is angelicoproject.org, and people, our listeners, can go there and look on past Mm -hmm. um, events. And there's some just fascinating topics on here, besides the architecture, like Catherine mentioned earlier, you know, some of our listeners might be familiar with the idea of Lexio Divina, right, um, but right. there was a, um, a presentation called Visio Divina using art in prayer, and I just thought that was fascinating. So, uh, our listeners should go to angelicalproject.org, look up some of these ways that this um, this group of people is trying to bring the good, the true, and the beautiful. I got an back idea. Into I style. got an idea. Here's the deal. We got to get Catherine in time with you. Just did it with the art and the music, mm-hmm. and you had books and bourbon. I think you had there. Well, maybe, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but here, here's who else we have to get here: Magdalene Grace Dean from down the Icon Shop on Bluff oh, Street. Oh yes! Can you imagine the beauty of the icons? Yes. And, and Catherine singing mm-hmm. and all mm-hmm. of this has got to be an event, Catherine. There you go. There's Doing that. The, the possibilities are endless. That's the thing. There's I think so we got much. yeah. We've got some. You you hit something in segment two that that's sticking here. When you said you've got the uh, well, two things you said. One, no applause in church while you're singing. Uh, I'm trying to think of a good excuse to applause in church at any time. Mm-hmm. T- time's up. Mm-hmm. 
No, mm-hmm. no. Uh, but right. but you said something that the people, the young people, in the 30s, the late 20s, and the 30s, uh, whatever generation that is, that come and they're naturally inclined. They're naturally drawn to this music. They've never heard it before. What what is the magic of of somebody hearing that for the first time and immediately recognizing that it's a match, it's a fit, it belongs. Mm -hmm. What is it? Yeah, well, I think first and foremost, um, truth and beauty speak for themselves. And um, I have for many years made a prediction about all of this that when something is so completely taken away, so hidden, that when the next generation discovers it or is exposed to it, they it's like it's like discovering buried treasure. And you pull up this beautiful thing and you and, and it blows you away because it's like nothing you have ever seen or heard before. So you have no preconceived notion or association with it whatsoever. So it is free to speak to you just purely authentically and show you what it is of its own, like by its own merit. Mm-hmm. And I think young people hear chant and they hear choral, you know, polyphony. And again, it doesn't have to be ancient. That's the other thing. It, there is plenty of, there is new music being composed for the church right now that is so beautiful because it stays within the it uses the tools and the traditions of 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 catholic music so this is not like a stuck in a time period kind of thing this is a an appropriateness like let's use the tools and the colors and the language of catholic music to continue producing beauty Mm -hmm. and i do think that with young people they're just taken by it because it's nothing like anything they get out Mm -hmm. there in the world Mm -hmm. but there's i think right now there's a particular interest in authenticity you know you find like more and more authentic ethnic restaurants you know it's like oh i want only i'm not going to go to taco bell i want to go to a mexican restaurant where the food is really so so go so go deeper on that how how is that authentic uh in at least the mind of that that uh generation in terms of so so i think first of all gregorian chant was never used for anything outside of the catholic liturgy it never belonged to anybody else. Mm-hmm. So it, it's like it is the distinctive sound of Catholic music, mm. of Roman Catholic music. If we want to get, you know, splitting hairs, right, there's also a distinctive sound of Greek Orthodox music. And, you know, <laughs> there is. Mm-hmm. So, so, you're, so if we you're were saying this belongs to, to the Latin rite. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. 100%. It belongs to the Latin rite. And then, of course, um, just in terms of music history and how things developed you know the whole world of choral music developed out of the chant melodies and the first the single voice or the unison choir no harmonies and then we have the development of sacred polyphony where composers of sacred music who of course were writing only for the church because Mm -hmm. this is pre-reformation so the only Mm. christian music composed was for the for the catholic church Mm -hmm. they uh, they they developed those 
for they developed compositional forms and different structures and how to use these beautiful texts and weave a chant melody through a piece of choral music and it grew and evolved but the materials the original materials are distinctively and uniquely that of the roman rite mm -hmm. and i think that is what makes it authentic like does this really come from you could you might uh, equate it to like um Oh, these, these, uh, I can't remember what they're called, but certain kinds of seeds, right? For, you know, apple trees or um, other kinds of plants. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, no, I want these seeds that are direct descendants from these trees. Mm -hmm. I don't want anything that was, you know, uh, you know, some kind of a hybrid or some kind of a mix of this, that, or the other thing, you know? So, so they're, uh, they're of this generation of, of the 30s. Uh, 20s 30s something here they find it to be authentic do they adopt it do they embrace it as their own what say you i have found that most people the people who are most excited about learning more about chant and and you know delving into it and wanting to know more and also with uh, choral music, 16th, 17th mm -hmm. century choral music, the people most excited about that are under 35. Wow. And and that wouldn't be because they had a sense of nostalgia about it. There must be something no. about the music that, that really speaks to the soul. Right. And I think part of it is that it doesn't sound like the music they're listening to all the time, you know, mm -hmm. in their car and at work and at the gym. You know, mm -hmm. it's distinctively different. It takes them to a different place mm -hmm. emotionally. It taps into the soul because, and I, this is just my own, my feeling about it, is that there's something about really good sacred music that touches the soul without exaggerating the emotions. Mm-hmm. So it actually brings us to a peace, a peaceful place, wow. not mm -hmm. not um, an impassioned place, but a place where we can quiet the soul and hear that still voice of God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and to become more receptive to what the Mass is doing. You know, Pius the Tenth made a very specific point of that. In his, uh, he wrote a document in 1903 on sacred music and. He states specifically that the job of the choir and the music is to put the people in a better disposition to be receptive to the graces of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Be still and know I am God. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Hmm. Fascinating. And maybe that's some of the attraction, too, that young people find with the traditional Latin Mass. The traditional Latin Mass tends to be full of young families, and maybe yes. for the some some similar reasons that it's nothing that it's not like anything else they find anywhere else, um, and maybe it brings a sense of peace and stillness where they can hear the voice of God. We got about ten minutes left on that. Uh, Catherine Fishlock is with us here, and we've we've talked about the uh, the liturgies. Colleen, you've mentioned the. Latin Rite Mass, the mm -hmm. Tridentine Mass. Mm -hmm. Catherine, how do you integrate what you're talking about that so many people that you've made presentation to are receptive to? How do you integrate that into the uh, 
parish novus ordo and and what's your experience been on that part so my um so my work in parish music was in a novus ordo parish it was at the dominican parish where i teach the novices and i was the music director there for for nine years and i stepped into the position um well it it just seemed like it was something god was calling me to do because of the particular situation at the time and the pastor wanted me to take the job and i thought well I don't know. They're always saying that God asks you to do things that you don't feel prepared to do. <laughs> so I jumped in with both feet. Mm-hmm. And that was at the time when the p- when the parish was really um, beginning to sort of be transformed into to go in a different direction musically with more traditional hymnody and um, the introduction of... Um, some of the chant propers. Now, the first thing that we did, of course, and still at the parish, the the, prop, the propers are sung in English, but we um, there was a wonderful uh, project a number of years ago, probably 10 or 15 years ago already, um, by a composer by the name of Adam Bartlett, who wrote a book called the, or a, a book of propers called the Simple English Propers. And they are the propers of the Mass. And for those of you that don't know, there's texts of the Mass that are proper, that means specific, to a Sunday, a specific Sunday or a specific feast day. And so these texts are, they can't be substituted. Like you can't just pick any old so thing. So y- you you're talking the, um, the colic, the... Um the preface is that what you're referring to? Well, those are the priests' propers. Okay. But there are also the proper prayers, say the introiters, and some some places will call it the entrance antiphon, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is different different from an entrance hymn. Mm-hmm. So we began to introduce those. I began to introduce those in um, in chant like melodies, but from this publication which was brand new you know it wasn't old it was brand new and but they were in english so they were you know sort of less off-putting because face it we've got millions of catholics who have not heard latin don't know a word of it so it can be very it can seem daunting Mm -hmm. Um, we started with that we started introducing more traditional hymnody and stepping away from things that sounded mostly like pop songs mm-hmm. and that sounded more like serious hymnody that had theology, that had depth in the texts. And I think that's a whole other topic, you know, how we uh, we lost a lot of the teaching that right. comes through the traditional texts of the older hymns, the more traditional hymns. So what was your medium and long-term uh, impact I mean, ap- it, I- initially that had to have some kind of shock, well, perhaps. But uh, what was, what was a lot the of yeah? There was a lot of upset in the beginning, but again, I had my pastor behind me, you know. And it really, you know, I think that's another thing that a lot of people um, run up against is that there's conflict within the parish. You might mm-hmm. have, you know, the priest would like to see more reverence in the people. Well, they 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 don't know. How do you achieve that? Well, for, let's try first changing the music and see if that helps to go more solemn. And, and did that it? That doesn't mean it sad. It. it just means 
more prayerful and serious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's the music director who wants to change things, and the pastor says, no, 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 you can't rock the boat. And y- there has to be at least some kind of support system in place. And then very gently and charitably introduce very simple, beautiful things that really nobody would uh, could find a leg to stand on to object to if they're beautiful and prayerful. Mm-hmm. Sure. Catherine, we're, we're uh, running out of time in segment three again. Two items we want to do. We want to do another uh, chant, choral hymn before we leave. But... Um, you and I have been talking about getting you out here to Dubuque, and I know there's a couple of pastors that are uh, wanting to meet you and, and do all of that here. Uh, if uh-huh. anybody's, they can get a hold of us here, but uh, if anyone wanted to contact you directly, how, how uh, would they go about doing that? Actually, at this point, the best thing would be to contact the Sunrise Morning Show on Sacred Heart Radio in Cincinnati, which Anna is Mitchell. Um, AM740, and contact Annie Mitchell. Yep. Great. Or you that can contact us here at yes. KCRD, mm-hmm. and we'll uh, we'll make that introduction. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I, I can see a lot of people locally that are interested in in good music, in good art, in the true, the beautiful, the good being interested in learning maybe how to introduce that in parishes. So I think uh, we would love to have you come to Dubuque. You're listening to The Chatter. Catherine Fishlock is our guest. She's out of Cincinnati. Our sponsor is Hotworks over on Holiday Drive, 2055 Holiday Drive. That's Melissa Knoll. Say hi to her. Catherine, send us off with uh, another beautiful song. Is it a song? All right. A hymn? Well, a if, chant? Uh, if you guys wouldn't mind, I would actually like to sing a, a hymn, an actual, uh, not not a Gregorian chant, but a, a hymn, since uh, we are still in the month of June, the month of the Sacred Heart. And um, this is such a beautiful text and a beautiful melody. Some might recognize it, um, but if you'll indulge me, I would like to skip over to an English setting of this hymn rather than sing a chant for our third one. Is that all right? Wonderful. Perfect. All right, here we go. So this is, this is the hymn, O Sacred Heart, All Holy. O Sacred Heart, All Holy, That heart so meek and lowly, Oh, make our hearts like thine, for in thy heart is treasure of goodness without measure, of mercy, grace, and love divine. Thy heart for love is yearning, while man to sin is turning, unmindful of thy love. But in thy gracious kindness, Lord, cure us of our blindness, and lead us to thy throne above. 
I know no clapping, but I just feel like breaking into applause. That was beautiful. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you. Resist the temptation, Colleen. That was beautiful. (laughs) That was beautiful. And we're recording on June 26th, so even though people won't hear this till July, we love a good hymn on the Sacred Heart, so thank you. beautiful. Catherine Fishlock is our guest on the 90th episode of The Chatter, and we're brought to you by Hotworks. Say hi to Melissa Knoll, and we better close out before Rob turns us off in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Glory Glory be be to the Father and to the Son Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is is now, now, and ever shall shall be, be. world without end. Amen. Tune in again next week. We love you.